0: Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Cal Verde. Naturals Sees Town as a Natural Fit by Christy Armstrong. Winchester residents Kelly and Steve Tomasello are the husband and wife owners of Cal Verde Naturals, LLC, which will be applying for a license and special permit from the town of Belmont, to open an adult-use retail marijuana store at 1010 Pleasant Street. Kelly is originally from Southern California and said California is, in general, a very progressive and focused on a healthy lifestyle. The couple is passionate about the alternative healthy lifestyle, and so they are seeing it everywhere now, with fitness and healthier eating, and this is just another component. The Citizen Herald recently asked Kelly and Steve uh, to ask them about their venture. Why Belmont? We really love the town of Belmont. We see it as a small community that is passionate, has a great school system, and has a proximity to the city. We look forward to being a positive impact in the community in whatever way we can be. And we are interested in hearing everybody's concerns. We are certainly going to be very pleasant and listening and trying to address all the concerns and try to educate people as much as we can. How will you address the concerns about safety, traffic, and access to minors? One thing that is unusual with Belmont is that they've set the legal age at 25 for purchasing marijuana. Everywhere else in the state is 21. We'll have a very serious uh, security team with ID checks, One of the things we liked about Belmont is the 25-plus law. We want to be serving mature adults, even at the risk of our sales volume being less. To address the traffic concerns, we have hired a consultant to do a traffic study and take into account any future developments that may happen in the area. With safety, we are going to work very closely with the Belmont Police Department to make sure we address all of their safety concerns. We do have safety consultant that is on a retainer for our company to make sure that this is safe, compliant, and welcoming environment. Why have it here when, you can have, when there are shops in Cambridge and Watertown? You can compare it to a wine shop or a liquor store. Essentially, every town has one. We think that within 5 to 10 years, that will be true for this as well, and there is a financial benefit to the town. Our uh, thought uh, thought as business owners in the community is to make sure that safety and education are a primary concern that is addressed in education not only in the industry but education for the kids. How will you do your How will you do your advertising? We will follow the state compliance laws. It is very limited with the s- state in terms of advertising. It can't be obvious. No marijuana paraphernalia, no marijuana leaf as part of your signage. We will have a social media platform, but we want to keep it low-key and word-of-mouth. Hopefully we provide an experience with good customer service and good quality products that keep people coming back. We're going to brand it as a natural store, even with the name of the store, Cal Verde. Verde is green in Spanish. What is the timeline for the opening of the store once we have approved once we have been approved locally, we will submit to the state. We are hopeful to be opening the spring of twenty twenty one We understand the sensitivity to having a store like this in the town, and when people get to meet us and we get to introduce what our vision is, our hope is that the people will be excited about us coming into the town. And be proud of what is what we are trying to do within the space. We are the sole owners of the company, and financing is not allowed in this industry. So essentially, we are self-funding the entire venture. That carries with it uh, some enormous sense of community and pride. It's a small family business, and we're putting our heart and soul and savings into this. And now over to my colleague, Claire.
1: Thank you, Bob. Dash to seek re-election to the Belmont Select Board. Nomination Papers for Local Election Available at Town Clerk's Office by Joanna K. Juvelis. Select Board Vice Chairman Adam Dash pulled papers on January 3 to run for re-election to his three-year seat in the upcoming annual town election, April 7th. He has until February 18 to collect signatures from at least 50 registered Belmont voters. Vision, Experience, Action will once again be Dash's campaign slogan. His campaign chairman is former Select Board member Ralph Jones, and his campaign treasurer is town meeting member David Zipkin. Dash, who has lived in Belmont since 2006 and is an attorney with his own private firm in Somerville, said he decided to run because there are still things in the works which he helped begin that he wants to see through, such as the police and public works projects, the community path project, the financial task force too, and resolving the town's long-term structural financial issues. He also said he has more things he hopes to accomplish in the next three years, such as creating a committee to promote women's issues. I like being able to make a direct impact on the community, which is one of the reasons I wanted to run in the first place, said Dash, adding that when he served on the Warrant Committee, he made recommendations but didn't have the ability to implement those recommendations. The only way to do that was to run. That's made all the difference, he said. He believes the town is extremely well managed now, although they are not magicians. They are tackling the problems the town faces. In the past three years, he said the greatest challenges he dealt with as a member of the select board were the route for the community path and the post-closure use of the incinerator site. I've learned we cannot please everybody all the time, but we can make sure everyone is heard and valued and decisions are made objectively and fairly, said Dash. He's most passionate about making sure seniors can stay in town, making sure schools stay strong, and working on deferred maintenance. I'm a big believer in acting and doing things, gathering data, making intelligent decisions, (coughs) and moving forward, said Dash. Prior to being elected as a select board member in 2017, Dash served on the Warrant Committee for eight years, He also served on the Community Preservation Act Study Committee as a town meeting member since 2008, was a member of the Zoning Board of Appeals and Yes Override Committee in 2015, and was vice chairman of the Underwood Pool Building Committee. Townwide offices and town meeting members. According to town clerk Ellen O'Brien Cushman, Dash is the 11th incumbent to pull papers for the 11 open town-wide office seats in the upcoming election. The other incumbents include Michael Widmer for moderator, Floyd Carman for treasurer, Robert P. Reardon for board of assessors, Donna David for board of health, Kathleen Keohan for library trustee, Gail Mann for library trustee, Kate Bowen for School Committee, Michael Crowley for School Committee, Donna Brescia for Housing Authority, and Alex Corbett for Cemetery Commission. There are two three-year seats to fill for both the library trustees and School Committee, one one one-year seat for moderator, one three-year seat for select board, treasurer, board of accessors, board of cemetery commissioners, and board of health and one five-year seat for housing authority. There are also 12 three-year seats in each of the eight precincts for town meeting members, and one one one-year seat in each of the eight precincts. Anyone interested in running must be a registered voter of Belmont. Nomination papers are available at the town clerk's office, and for more information, visit belmont-ma-gov-townclerk. Then select Elections, Running for Elected Office in Town Meeting, or call 617-993-2600 or email townclerkbelmont-ma.gov. Now over to Max.
2: Thank you, Claire. Following up on that, nomination papers are available for town election. The town clerk announces that nomination papers for town offices are available for individuals running for office in Belmont. All candidates must be registered voters of Belmont. In addition to many town-wide offices, 12 representative town meeting members are elected for three-year terms to represent each of our eight voting precincts. This year, there will also be some partial term openings for town meeting. Vacancies are created by members moving or resigning. Annual town meeting takes place in the spring and typically lasts for a total of six evenings, customarily Monday and Wednesday, commencing in early May and early June. Town town meeting makes all of the decisions about the town's budgets and local bylaws. Belmont's government is is a representative town meeting, which means that only town meeting members can debate and vote at town meeting, unlike the open town meeting form of government. Stop by the town clerk's office at 455 Concord Ave. to pick up nomination papers. Have your friends and neighbors who are registered Belmont voters sign your nomination papers and submit the signed forms to the town clerk by the deadline, 5 p.m., February 18th. Running for election is simple. To be nominated for town-wide office, signatures of at least 50 registered Belmont voters are required on the nomination papers. The town clerk must certify these signatures, so we always suggest obtaining about 20% more just to be safe. To be nominated for a town meeting, signatures of at least 25 registered Belmont voters of your precinct are required on the nomination papers. Again, the town clerk must certify these signatures, so we also suggest obtaining about 20% more just to be safe. Some current town meeting members will be asking the voters for re-election, but all 12 seats are available in each precinct. Running for re-election to town meeting, current town meeting members whose term of office expires in 2020 have already been sent a letter asking if the person will seek re-election. Deadline for return of the signed response letter to the town clerk is at 4 p.m. January 28th. Here is a list of offices that will be filled by April 7th, annual town election as of December 18th, 2019. Moderator the number of seats to vote on is 1 and the term of office is 1 year. Board of Selectmen, the number of seats to vote is 1 and the term of office is 3 years. Treasurer, the number of seats to vote is 1 and the term of office is 3 years. Board of Assessors, the number of seats to vote is 1 and the term of office is 3 years. Board of Cemetery Commissioners same as the Board of Assessors Board of Health, the number of seats to vote on is 1 and the term of office is 3 years. Members of the Housing Authority, the number of seats to vote is 1, and the term of office is 5 years. Trustees of the Public Library, number of seats to vote is for 2, and the term of office is 3 years. Member of the School Committee, the number of seats to vote for is 2, and the term of office is 3 years. Town meeting members for full term each of the 8 precincts, the number of seats to vote is 12, and the term of office is 3 years. Over to you, Bob.
0: Thank you, Max. Risk behavior results are in by John Colas. In November, the Belmont Wellness Coalition, that's the BWC, presented results of the 2019 Youth Risk Behavior Survey, that's the YRBS to the school committee, the BWC is a program of the Wayside Youth and Family Support Network, a nonprofit social services organization serving the Commonwealth. The YRBS was started by the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, in 1990 with the recommendation that communities complete the survey every other year. The last time that Belmont completed the YRBS was in 2012. Belmont is part of Middlesex League, comprised of 11 school districts. They include Arlington, Belmont, Burlington, Melrose, Reading, Stoneham, Wakefield, Watertown, Wilmington, Winchester, and Woban. The survey was administered to 1,800 high school and middle school students last spring. It covers a broad range of questions, from texting while driving to sexual activity. The objective is to provide insight into behaviors that contribute to injuries and violence, behaviors related to mental health, smoking and tobacco use, alcohol and drug use, sexual behaviors and unhealthy dietary behaviors, and physical inactivity. Overall, the data indicates that Belmont youth are as good or better off than their peers in the other school districts. However, two significant areas of concern to the school committee are suicide ideation among middle schoolers and decreased perception of harm caused by marijuana use in high school students. Lisa Gilberlero, who started the BWC in 2017 and delivered the report, feels there is a sincere trust and respect for the data. It provides a way forward for the BWC to work with Belmont, with the school committee, students, and parents on next steps, she said. Leveraging the good news in the survey, it's important for students to see that the vast majority of their peers are engaged in healthy behaviors that drug use and inappropriate use of technology is not what everyone does, said Gil Bolero. Another priority will be to identify the sources of stress in students, particularly those in middle school, and uh, teach healthy coping skills. Given that 1,800 students participated in the survey, Gil Bolero said, I would have loved to have seen more than 30 parents in attendance. when the the BWC presented the results to the community. However, the majority of those in attendance said children in the middle school and all were highly engaged in the process. Parents were generally struck by the slides slides around bullying, suicide, and screen time. And now over to Claire.
1: Thanks, Bob. Workers foil a half-baked lobster heist tailed the suspect through Charlestown by Sean Philip Cotter. A self-described local crack dealer is accused of the deeply shellfish act of stealing a truck full of live lobsters, crashing it into pursuing Charlestown Lobster Company employees, and then saying he was going to kill the cops who deprived him of his $10,000 catch. Stephen Woodward, 29 of L Street in South Boston was due to be arraigned Wednesday morning in Charlestown District Court but was acting provocatively so much so that he wasn't arraigned and Judge Lawrence McCormick simply sent him to jail on $500 bail according to the clerk's office. An employee of Buy New England Lobster in Charlestown was in the bathroom shortly after midnight Tuesday when Woodward hopped into the employee's still idling truck full of live lobsters and drove off, according to the police report from the incident. Returning from the bathroom, the employee immediately noticed something fishy, the truck full of lobster rolling away from the 50 Commercial Street dock, according to police. But the workers wouldn't stand for that, One man jumped into his own car and gave hot pursuit on the tail of the very slow-moving refrigerated lobster truck, overtaking it around 516 Main Street. That's where the alleged crustacean crook rammed the 20-foot lobster box truck into the employee's car, T-boning it and dragging it a short distance, police say. Another employee had hopped into a second lobster truck and gave chase then rear-ending the stolen truck when it stopped suddenly after hitting the other car, cops say. The two employees dragged Woodward out of the vehicle and struggled with him for a while, according to the report. By the time the police showed up, Woodward had returned to the truck, and the cops said they had to haul the crabby criminal back out. Woodward who had facial injuries, was picked up by an ambulance after being arrested, cops say. In his room at Massachusetts General Hospital, he threatened to shoot one of the officers, according to the report. I'll blow your brains out, he allegedly told one of the cops, adding, according to the report, that he works in Charlestown selling crack. Woodward is charged with assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. Threats to commit harm, receiving a stolen motor vehicle, and driving with a suspended license. He's next to, He was next to in court on January 6th. Mike LaRosa, the company's owner, said no one had ever tried to lift any of his lobsters before. He said he's just glad that the 1,300 or so tasty shellfish in the truck weren't damaged and that he was able to hit the deadline for sending them off that day. He agreed that the whole thing seemed like a bad spoof of the zany Ben Affleck-Jeremy Renner-Charlestown heist movie, The Town. But he observed, you know, it's just really stupid. Now, over to Max.
2: Thank you, Claire. Thoughts of the Day by Maria Torres. A few days ago, I was listening to public radio, and they were stating how college applications have decreased. My first thought was, no wonder, considering how expensive college has become. Seems to me, college is yet another way that society has found to divide people by the haves and the have-nots. Some are privileged and can afford it, others aren't. Yet they are still interested in furthering their education. I don't quite understand why colleges need to be so expensive. In my country of origin, college is free. Education should not be a privilege. It should be a right of every human being. After all, don't we want to become the best possible society? And by education, I don't just mean professionals. Everybody should have the right to get a skill to survive without encouraging such debt that you will be paying it off for the rest of your life. That debt will hold you down. Coincidentally, the same day I was listening to the program in the radio, one of my best friends came to visit with me with her granddaughter. As we began to talk, I learned that her granddaughter had recently graduated from college, she was very proud of it, as was her grandma. She so badly wants to go on to grad school, but she can't until she pays off the gigantic debt she acquired during her undergraduate studies. When I suggested to apply to grad school anyways, once, since once you owe ridiculous amounts, $20,000 more is not going to make such a difference. That is when she shared that she couldn't apply to grad school because the university f- she had gotten her Bachelor of Arts from was withholding her degree until she paid $1,000 that she owed. How can a Latino girl who comes from the lower socioeconomic class pay this debt off? Her parents can't help her. Aren't we setting up people to fail? And where is the Christmas spirit? Imagine all the money you spend for a bachelor's degree, and when you're done, you don't get your degree because of a tiny amount of money you owe. Are schools greedy? For sure, it is a money-making industry just like the pharmaceutical one. Could they forgive such a debt? Of course they could, but they won't. So in the spirit of Christmas and being a person who believes in helping others, and in this case the granddaughter of one of my best friends, I decided I would pay that debt. The girl was so happy. That $1,000, which would have taken her an eternity to gather, has resolved her problem, has allowed her now to consider grad school. It made such a difference in her life. Once she gets a master's, she has more chances of getting a higher-paying job, which will allow her to pay her debts faster. But it shouldn't be so difficult to get an education, nor so economically biased, which translates into being biased against brown people. Most Latinos and blacks are struggling as it is. Why add more debt to their already stressful lives? I guess I wrote this column because people who are privileged don't always understand the struggles of the poorest members of society. As a psychologist, it was my clients who taught me what it means to be less privileged. Schools don't teach you the realities these people face on a day-to-day basis. I devoted my professional life to working with these people. I became their voice and advocated for them. So I invite you on this new year to try to become aware that not everybody is as lucky. A lot of people want to study but can't, and as a result, they stay stuck in poverty. They work long hours in jobs that are underpaid. It is very difficult to come out of that cycle of poverty. When you meet somebody that is trying so hard to get out, if you can help, by all means do. Because that little help will pull that child out of the cycle and future generations will have a better chance. As humans, we are supposed to help each other up, not down. Over to you, Bob.
0: Thank you, Max. Girls hockey off to a strong start. With a four wins one loss record, Belmont girls varsity hockey team had a hot December and entered 2020 undefeated before dropping a New Year's Day faceoff against number eight ranked Woburn. The home opener at Wilmington proved a tight matchup with senior captain Megan Megan Noon striking in the second period for the Marauders' only goal in a one to nothing victory. Two days later, Belmont cruised to a 5-1 to win over Medford in the home opener, with junior Emmer O'Donovan and freshman Lily Duffy each netting two goals. Belmont's solid defense and depth showed again in a 6 to nothing victory over Stoneham. Five different players contributed goals, while freshman goalie Bridget Gray recorded her second shutout in three games. 2019's final game proved a big challenge for the Marauders' defense as Newton fired 28 shots at Gray. But Belmont never trailed as it, kept, uh, as it leaped, leaped to the lead on the first-period goal from Molly Dacey, assisted by Sam Roshi, and added another in the second from uh, Cara Rowan. Emma O'Donovan and senior captain Katie Gooden added goals in the third in the team's 4-0 victory. On a January 1st loss, visiting Wubin jumped to a 2-0 lead after one period. Belmont got it close with a second-period goal from Duffy, but ended the second down 3-1. Senior Maggie O'Connell netted a one-timer in the third to make it 4-2, and after pulling the goalie, the extra skater helped the Marauder girls create several close scoring chances. But unfortunately, it was not to be, as Woburn added an empty netter for a 5-2 victory. The barattas are coached by Ken Murphy and are currently ranked number 12 in the Boston Globe Girls Hockey Division One poll. And now over to my colleague Claire.
1: Thank you, Bob. Lexington Pop Con- Chorus holds a winter concert. The Lexington Pops cor- Chorus will hold a winter concert called Do You Hear the People Sing from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. January 17th to 18th at Hancock United Church of Christ, 1912 Mass Ave, Lexington. The concert will feature Dan Forrest's Requiem for the Living with orchestral accompaniment, selections from Les Miserables, Loveland and Graham's You Raise Me Up, and Mark Zuckerman's Turn Belatique. The Lexington Pops Chorus is in its 38th season and enjoys the enthusiasm of more than 65 singers from over 25 towns. Director Robert Lague has been the conductor of the chorus since its inception in 1982. The chorus is accompanied by David Owens, who is in his 17th season with the chorus. New singers are welcome at the beginning of each semester. The group will hold two free open rehearsals at 7.30 p.m. January 21st and 28th in Clark Hall of Hancock Church. Auditions are not required. However, singers must be able to read music and stand for concerts. Admission will cost $20 for adults and $5 for children 12 and under or $17 if purchased in advance from a member of the chorus, or online. For information, call 781-365-0576. That's 781-365-0576. Now over to Max.
2: Thanks, Claire. Deep Thoughts Discussion Group, 645 to 9 p.m. every other Wednesday, Lexington, Second Wednesdays at Lexington Community Center, 39 Merritt Road. Last Wednesdays at Cary Memorial Library, 1874 Mass Ave. Cost free. For information, check facebook.com/deepthoughtslex, all one word. Deep Thoughts is an ongoing discussion group hosted by Robert Berend, who has been running discussion groups around the world for 28 years. No RSVP required. Back to you, Bob.
0: Along with my colleagues Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the talking news and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.